Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Revolution. Um, the country is torn apart. Um, if you're like me, you're a bit unsettled, to say the least, about Tuesday's uh, election results. Um, make this clear, I'm speaking on behalf of myself. And some of you may not agree with some of the things I have to say, but have you always ever agreed with anything I always have to say? Um, personally, I've been a Democrat for quite a long time, probably since I could vote. So, you know, to my uh, Republican brothers and sisters, you might want to listen, you might not want to. I don't know. It's not going to be a political rant, but it is going to be a, a talk about what's going on in this world right now. And uh, a lot of us are uh, extremely, I, I think frightened might be the right word. There might be some fear, some devastation of what's going on. So I prepared this talk with all of this in mind. I honestly wasn't going to do the talk. I usually record my talks on Wednesday, and I was too much of a shock to uh, record my sermon. And I know there's all sorts of different ways of looking out here, and there are some great videos about how to talk to your kids uh, about this election and things like that. This isn't going to be that. This is going to be a scriptural scriptural reflection uh, for me of uh, maybe what we can do in this time. Um, so, hang on. <laughs> I want to start with, uh, and this is the ironic thing, is the books that it's taken me to, uh, Book of James, which is a book I've always struggled with. But I have always liked the first part of James. James 1, 2 says, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So for some of us, I think this is a test in faith. Uh, for a lot of us, I don't think that we think God decides who's in office, even know what Romans says. Uh, we don't take that literally, at least I don't. Um, but at the same time, I know what it's like to have parents. Uh, my dad, my mom's no longer with us, but my father, who is pro-Trump, which was very hard for me to take, even though we've had some tough conversations, I will say he has been graceful and loving within those interactions. Uh, but some of you may have seen some of the videos that people have been putting out of some things that my dad have been seeing that seem a little bit... <sighs> For folks with my type of theology, I guess unhinged would be a, a word to use. Um, maybe not very graceful word, but we do strongly disagree. And I saw a tweet from his television show, which I know he doesn't do the tweets there. It's their staff, but... Um, saying how they had prayed for Trump to be president. Uh, I think when we start saying stuff like praying for presidential candidates or praying for anything, honestly, we start to use God like a magic trick. 
and uh, often, you know, it's to see if our magical work versus other people's magic. And I think that's something that we need to really take a look at because um, people die every day. And then people say, oh, well, I lived because of the prayers. But what does that say to the prayers of other people who uh, lose loved ones? Pardon me. Um, so we are at least most half of us right now, and probably more than that, who listen to Revolution, are going through a tough time and, and feeling tested. But I will tell you this. I do believe this is a time for maturity and a time for growth. I think it's a time for reflecting on why this happened, uh, what a lot of people in America are feeling, and uh, and and talk about that. Let's you know another verse I was looking at, which is a little bit funny at the same time as it is poignant. Sorry, I'm turning around all over my Bible here. Psalms. 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in greenest pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Uh, otherwise, it says restores my life. He leads me into right paths for my name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley, and some say death, uh, this is the darkest valleys. I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Now what I want to look at is the presence of my enemies is, you know, the idea of the people who feel that Tuesday was a victory, we could be seen as enemies. And for us, they can be seen as enemies. And the fact is, is if, if uh, God prepares a place, a presence amongst our enemies, then these are people we should be, you know, a table before. We should have a table with these folks, and they should have a table with us um, and be participating in conversations because uh, love participates. Now, this is the hard part of the gospel. You know, what the gospel talks about doing and the gospel challenges us to do is to love one another, uh, to love our enemies, to do good to those who persecute us. And for some folks, I know that this sermon might seem too soon, or it might be, but Jay, you don't understand. I do understand. Um, I might not understand everything from your personal opinion. Of course not. I've not walked a mile in your shoes. But I do understand uh, the fear and the... Uh, Care, uh, especially worried about um, all my LGBTQ brothers and sisters, um, my brothers sisters of color, uh, my brothers and sisters from uh, who 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 are from other countries. You know, these are folks who I worry and don't want to see in danger. I worry about how our police forces will change and react. These are things we worry about. At the same time. I have to keep into perspective that 
during a group, uh, uh, during a, the time of, of the politicians I voted for, there were many bombings. Sierra, Sierra, uh, Syria, um, other places of innocents killed by bombs and murders. So I don't know if any party belongs to us if we are followers of Christ because the fact that we have to deal with uh, these folks make decisions, tough decisions, and uh, deport lots of people, uh, go to war, take lives. And last time I checked, we weren't called to kill. We were called to love our enemies and do good to those who persecute us. So that's a tough one. So to think either side has got a corner on it. Now, I understand that this situation seems extremely different. Uh, it seems to be more radical and uh, bring in more fear, I think, than we've had before in an election since I can remember. But um, keeping perspective of the foreign wars that are going on in this country now and uh, knowing that it, you know, if we become so focused on what's happening here on our soil and we forget about the tragedies that are happening around the world, you know, by the hands of the U.S. It's important to remember those things. It keeps us into perspective. Also, to remember that some of these towns that voted for Donald Trump are cities that have no factories anymore, have no businesses anymore, uh, and are falling apart. And maybe we need to listen to hear what they have to say. I don't agree with it, but often great loss causes us to see things and experience things differently. So we would be good to, to listen. And once again, as I will say, love participates. Love sits at the table. And that says, you know, here in Psalms 5, 23, 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. And hopefully that goodness and mercy is we're showing to others as well we don't see eye to eye with. This is why I continue to come back to the gospel is because it causes me and it challenges me to love other people and even when I feel like the sky is falling. Uh, I want to force blame, but it's easier to do, you know, because we dehumanize people. We dehumanize certain people who vote for a certain way or think a certain way. Definitely easy to dehumanize uh, candidates but what happens when we dehumanize these folks? I mean, they literally means to, to no longer have humanity. And I think a better word was we demonize them. We create them to be something else, almost something supernatural and something evil, um, which often can be a projection of our own darkness, our own angers, our own fears, um, and what we've created in our minds. So... Another verse I'm going to read from, and I don't read a lot from 1 John either, is <laughs> 1 John. First John four sixteen says, God is love. Well, it says, so we have known and believe the love of that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God. And God abides in them. Love has been perfected amongst us in this, 
that we may have boldness on this day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate another brother or sister are liars, for those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandments we have from him that those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. You know, I've asked this question in my last book is, who do do we love when we love God? And my question was, is the other? My answer was the other. We love people. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about what I know about demonizing and dehumanizing. I know what it's like to see your family dehumanized. I know in the 80s that my parents were seen as crooks and everything that was wrong with the church. And I watched Christians and non-Christians say horrible things and call them everything but children of God, (laughs) Uh, cancer in the body of Christ, um, the end of the church as we know it, and it may have actually been that. But the fact is, is that's the type of thing that I saw happen. Um, years later, when I would become affirming an ally for my LGBTQ brothers and sisters, I would see some of those very same people demonize me and say that I was leading people to hell. I mean, literally leading people to hell. I don't believe in hell, so I guess that doesn't matter. But the fact was, is when this was happening also, my mother was dying of cancer, and I remember more people being concerned with my decision to accept and include a group of people who had been treated as second-class citizens. They were more worried about my decision there than they were the fact, you know, they said, we love you, and this is why we're saying this, when I'm like, if you love me, help me with, you know, my mother's dying. So the perspectives that I gained from that are, are tough. Now, I think of Martin Luther King when he says, hate is too great a burden to carry. And I think for a lot of us, we want to we wanna carry hate with us. But perfect love, there is no fear in love, and love and hate go hand in hand. But you know what? I'm afraid. I, I am full of fear, and I want love to cast out that fear. I want to see a transformation happen inside of me, desperately. It's happening slowly, but I also don't know if that's just coming with slow acceptance of, of what's happened. But the fact is, is we're called to love one another and we're called to experience that love of God. And if God is that antithesis of love, um, which I've been reading a lot about Tillich, so it's, he's confused me with all that stuff. But right now I'm going to stick with where my brain and I know I'm at is that that's, we're called to be delivered from fear even when we're walking through the valley of death, even when we're walking through the valley of darkness, we are encouraged to let fear go. Now, when it says that we should not worry about judgment, well, what does that mean we should not also judge others? Um, I'm going to jump backwards to 1 John now. I'm going to go to uh, 1 John 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed amongst us in this way. 
God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this love, not that we loved God, but that loved, but he loved us. Forgive me for the pronouns. It's just how the Bible is written in this translation. Loved God, but that God loved us and sent God's son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us. And God's love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in God and by in us because he has given us of the Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that this God has sent God's Son as Savior of the world God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and we abide in God so we know and believe that love that God has for us. God's love and those who abide in God's love abide in God and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us that we may have boldness on the day of judgment because as God is so far we in this world, there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out all fear. Again, I know how tough this is. How do we apply it? I, I always tell people to go back to Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to tell you to read it and check it out. Um, but now, now let me make this clear. I have loved ones. My father is, is, is very pro-Trump to the point of comparing if Trump doesn't win, the end times are going to come sooner and all this stuff. And I don't understand that. And, uh, I had friends writing articles about my dad uh, being kind of crazy. And honestly, I reached out to some of them and said, what is this doing? You know why I reached out to them? Because I said it makes it harder for me to have a relationship with my father. Because I want to have a relationship with my father. I want him to be my my son's grandfather, and I want to have that. But we will disagree. But we are called to love one another, and love does not demand its own way. It doesn't keep records. Love and grace is a tough thing. Love and grace is a high demand. Um, we still have it if we don't mean it, if we don't meet that expectation. But what I'm saying is, is this is where the rubber hits the road. This is the fly in the ointment of the gospel is that we are called to love. Even our family members and even those around us who say horrible things and maybe don't understand where we're coming from. But we also have to have the empathy to remember that some people have completely different life experiences that have brought them to this point. And so, yes, they may be victims of misinformation, but that information came through a life long lived. And for some of these people, it's issue or one or two or three issues that they feel to the bottom of their heart that they're called to. But if we alienate, if we dehumanize, if we demonize, then there is no place at the table to have the discussion. And without the discussion, there is no changing misinformation. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have decided to stick with love because hate is too great of a burden to carry. And I have learned that in life. 
And this fear wants to drive me towards some sort of hate and some sort of separation, but it mustn't. It must drive me towards unification. It must drive me towards participation because love participates. Love seeks to understand. I liked it better when I tried to win popularity contests and make people happy with the words I preached rather than preaching sermons that make my liberal friends and conservative friends both angry. Luke 6 37 says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will not be, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Will be put into your lap. For the measure you give, you will be measured you get back. This is a verse about forgiveness. He also told them parable, Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into the pit? A disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fulfilled qualified will be like a teacher. Now, I want to see this. I want to look at this, both blind leading the blind. So it's not saying ignore this. If, you know, some of us feel that that our president-elect is blind leading the blind. And we have to speak truth to that. I'm not saying we don't. But I'm saying we find a way to speak truth that participates in love and not wishy-washy love, but in a, a purpose, in a dedication, in a reason, in the way that people like MLK Jr. went and sat with presidents and sat with people who said horrible things to his face, ultimately took his life. We look at people like that, or Jesus who did the same thing, or Gandhi who also did the same thing. I mean, we are called for a time as such as this. This is what the gospel is about. If you don't believe me, the history of the gospel, Jesus, all the disciples were living in occupied territory under the Roman government. Their homes were being occupied. They were made into second-class citizens. They were being occupied by a military force greater than their own. They were the other. So when Jesus and Paul and these folks say these things, they're not just saying it in a, in a way that we would understand it today, but they're saying it in a way of, of, of their loved ones being murdered and killed and crucified. It wasn't just Jesus. You know, the people having all their money taken from them by the tax, by taxes, by tax collectors. You know, men and women being killed and raped, being burned at the stake, being fed to animals for fun. You know, I mean, this is the type of thing that they were dealing with, being martyred daily. So don't take this lightly and don't get aggravated with me. I mean, you can get aggravated with me. I don't care. But the fact is is that this is the history of the Bible. So when these words are taught, these are very strong words on how to love. So in times like this, these are strong words that we need to abide by and take seriously and not take for granted that we are called to live a higher law. And love is a higher law, to quote Bono. You ask me an answer, but then you make me fall. I can't be holding on to what you got. And all I got is love. But love 
is the secret. Love is the answer. It's patient and it's kind. It's not gullible. It doesn't allow itself to get just stompled all over, trampled on. But it is patient and kind and doesn't demand its own way and it listens and it participates. And participation is the way that things can change. Love is the only force capable of turning an enemy into a friend. And that's the situation we find ourselves in right now. But rather than waiting for another tragedy to happen, we need to be proactive and start to meet with people now. Talk to government leaders now. Reach out to those that we fear now rather than when it's too late, when someone's been shot, someone's been, life has been taken. Someone has won office. <laughs> because part of the being part of uh, progressive liberal church is that sometimes we act as though we have the answers and we have it together and we ostracize others and we create them into being something that they're not and we lack empathy and sympathy for these folks and we are called to live within empathy we are called to live within love with one another not to be elite not to think that we have it together because we serve this group or do that or this you know blessed is the peacemaker we're called to go in and make peace but we should be preemptively making peace. We should be preemptively having these talks and these conversations. And this time says that's what we've got to do. The next four years will be a challenge for a lot of us to be peacemakers and to walk in love, to walk in humility, to walk in grace, to see change happen. Because I'll tell you what, human beings are human beings no matter how much we dehumanize them, no matter what the horrible things they say, they are still human beings. Watching my son with his grand, I mean, watching my son with his grandfather at the Minnesota State Fair, just being a granddad and a grandkid was amazing. Having a conversation with my dad where he showed probably more grace than I did about politics and the situation was transformative. It didn't change my mind, but it allowed me to see that there was still grace and mercy there and the ability to have the conversation. And that's what changes things. I speak from my personal experience. I Just because I know what it's like right now, my dad is being extremely demonized amongst my fellow progressive brothers and sisters. And I understand why. But I don't watch the TV show. I have brief conversations on the phone where I see him every few years. And the last time I saw him, he came out to see my son for my first birthday. And I saw a man in his 70s trying to understand and work out life with the tools that he has. This is hard for you to hear. It's hard for me to say, but it's what we're called to do, I think. And it's what time like this that I feel called 
to speak up. And not in defense. I don't want them to throw pearl to swine. I think, you know, when we throw, and it says they come and get trampled on in the Bible. I don't want us to, you know, take what's precious and be crushed by angry, self-righteous, judgmental legalists. But I do want us to find a way to slowly learn how to love or understand or show grace to people so we can have a conversation. Who knows? Maybe we'll change. I'm not looking at that, but you never know. But I think, hopefully, a conversation will cause us to have some sort of empathy and maybe meet somewhere in the the middle. Otherwise, these folks may never have any other experience with someone different than them to challenge them to share their experience, strength, and hope, to experience their pain and their insecurities and their loss. It's easier not to judge people when you're not in the middle of uh, feeling like you just got kicked in the teeth and you just lost a great victory. But there is no better time than the present. I'm going to jump backwards again in Luke and we'll end there. But I say to you, listen, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other cheek. And from, and from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withheld even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who only love you, what credit is that for you? For even a lost sinner the love loves those who loves them even those we don't agree with love those who love them and we're called to love all folks even those who do not love us and those who persecute us this is works this is taking up your cross this is dying to your flesh this is the tough part of living a life of the gospel a gospel that says, I will not judge, I will not demonize, I will not dehumanize. I will come in and allow my battle to be, my weapon to be love. I will take the road less traveled. If you have ears, please hear this. And maybe you're not ready to hear it, and if you're not, just turn it off. Don't worry about it. But I believe that a lot of us are here for such a time as this. We're in this together. This time is for us. So stand strong and stand firm. Love boldly. Maybe spend some time reading some Martin Luther King Jr. I think he's a great man who wrote a great roadmap for a lot of us who are in a situation that seems completely backwards but I know that he's encouraged me to love my enemies and also to encourage 
people to speak up and allow their voices to be heard. So by no means am I saying let's be quiet or be silent and just listen. But I'm also saying it's time for more allies and more friends and for all of us to speak up and allow our voices to be heard. I think of that quote, it's not the words of our enemies we remember, but the silence of our friends. And if our friends are being treated unjustly, it is our job to speak up. And by speaking up, we aren't attacking those who are discriminating, but what we're trying to do is set them free. By speaking up, we are speaking up on justice and we are speaking the truth. And sometimes that truth needs to be speak, spoken more firmly than others. And may we all have the uh, may we all know the timing. May we all know the you know have the the wisdom to know when to speak and when to listen. I don't know what to pray for except to be gratitude for gratitude and, and gratefulness for mercy and grace and peace and love and respect. And to have a new fire, a new passion I now have in my life to continue to work forward for social justice but not only for my friends who they oppressed, but for the oppressor as well, as that we may see them set free from oppression that causes them to alienate and judge and hurt others. May we all find this grace. Grace be with you all. Amen. This is Revolution Church. Thank you for listening.